What's up, Story Geeks? It's Jay. And Daryl. And on today's show, we're going to dig deeper, sort of, into <laughs> the Meg. Not Mariana Trench deep, but, you know. I'm super excited about our guest today, Ali Plum from BBC Radio 1 in the UK, also formerly from the Empire Podcast. And the perfect person to join us for this topic. Absolutely. He's a big fan of this movie. He's a big fan of the state. As you guys will see, this was just a super fun conversation. Absolutely. But we'd also love to hear your thoughts on The Meg, which you can share with us in the Story Geeks Facebook group. The link to our Facebook group is in the show notes. One other quick plug about our Facebook group, that's where we're also going to be hosting future live shows. Mm -hmm. Definitely go to the Story Geeks Facebook group and check out those things. And also be sure that you don't miss our upcoming shows. As you know, this is Scary Movie Month. Last week, we did an episode on A Quiet Place with Marquia McCarty. That was a super fun discussion. And coming up next week, we are finally going to do an episode dedicated to Get Out, which is something we've been talking about for a long time. And we're going to have our buddies Michael Young and Megan Salinas joining us on that episode. So be sure you click the subscribe button on your preferred podcast provider and keep track of what's coming. Yeah, thanks for listening in. The Story Geeks podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society. Let's dig deeper, sort of, into the Meg. All right. Today we are talking about the Meg. The Meg. I've been really excited for this movie. I love me a good shark movie. <laughs> Not necessarily saying this was a good shark movie, but it was a fun shark movie. Can I just um, jump in and, and, and I'll say something? Oh, do it, yes. <laughs> yes. You have mispronounced the title of this film. Like, straight off. You got it oh, wrong, Oh, really? Right? Because this is a Jason Statham movie. So you got to pronounce <laughs> this movie, The Meg. The Meg. This is <laughs> The Meg. You're right. Yeah. That's a so good point. I'll, That's just, excellent. I'll, I'll let you off. But as a Brit, I have to flag it up straight away. Carry on. Your podcast. No, no. That's, that's great. Well done. Well done. I like that. Um, so we I probably need to all say that throughout the rest of this. Okay, podcast. we'll do it. We'll do it. Let's do it. Okay, so then for those of you who are wondering whose voice you just heard, that was our super exciting guest for the day from BBC Radio One. That's Ali Plum. Ali, welcome to the show. Hello, it's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for thinking of me. It is our pleasure to have you on the show. I've been a fan of yours for a while, and it's an honor to talk to you. And um, we've we've had some people from the Empire podcast on our show as well, which Ali also used to be a part of. So it's fun for us to get to dive into this world and get to know you guys and talk to the experts as it is. Well, look, <laughs> so. how can I resist talking to you guys when you have the silkiest, smoothiest, NPR-iest voices I've <laughs> ever heard? It is, oh my God, my ears are having the best time. <laughs> so this is all good. Awesome. Well, hey, Ali, just uh, take a minute. Tell us about your work at BBC Radio 1 and where people can find you and all that good stuff. Yeah, I'll give you the little potted uh, history or whatever the yeah. phrase is. So, yep, like you say, I, for about five and a half years, worked at Empire Magazine, the world's biggest movie magazine. And, and best, I'll say it. I'll say it. I mean, I agree with you. <laughs> there aren't many of us around, uh, but I think it's uh, in a league of one, we are number one. Um, <laughs> so, yes. Empire for about five and a half years, which was a miracle that I got the job and that I stuck around for that long. And then I was very briefly working at Digital Spy, which is kind of a more of an entertainment-y website, but I was there as head of film. And then I got poached by the BBC and became their in-house Radio 1, which is obviously a radio station at the BBC, their in-house film nerd. 
So I do interviews, I do reviews, I am kind of part of the soap opera of the station. I have very occasionally hosted my own radio shows as well. I have things that happen here, there and everywhere. But um, one of the things I do, just to give that a plug, is I have my own podcast, which is called Movies with Ali Plum, but that's about to get renamed. It's going to be called the Slightly Beige Screen Time, <laughs> which almost, almost means nothing. And then uh, I've also got an iPlayer show, because iPlayer is like you know, the BBC's answer to Netflix, and I have a bunch of different things. But yeah, I've got a podcast, I've got a Twitter, I've got an Insta. I've got all sorts of things. And in case you're wondering, my surname Plum has a B on the end. So that's pretty much who I am in a nutshell. Awesome. Well, we're excited to have you here today. And you are a big fan of the Stave. I think is people are going to think, listening, that I'm being sarcastic. And maybe I am a bit. Like, maybe I am. But I have not grown up watching Jason Statham movies. Like, I loved him in Lockstock. I loved him in Snatch. Um, I think he's on a real roll lately with the Expendable series, which is obviously pants, but he's enjoyable in them, aside from the limericks. I loved him in Spy, and I think <laughs> there's a lot of Spy in this movie, actually, with his tone. And oh, yeah. he was great as uh, Luke Evans's brother in the Fast and the Furious movie. So I think he's on a real upward tick, and it's nice to see a big-budget, uh, schlocky bit of nonsense with him at the t- at the title uh, in the title like position like he's the lead role and For considering sure. he's 51 years old and still looks like an absolute avalanche of pecs and abs <laughs> i i am i'm so behind him like i love crank the two crank films that they're weird and twisted and and wrong but i i love his sense of humor i love his tone and i love his whole shtick of this properly James Bondy eyebrow cocking cockney nonsense the, he and Tom Cruise must have the same doctors <laughs> like why have they yeah. not worked together yeah. oh my gosh oh, how dude, fun would that to. be yeah. well they actually have in collateral he oh, actually hands yeah. a briefcase to Tom Cruise oh okay so true great yeah. great point so but I want him to be the next Mission Impossible villain oh I agree I'm down that's what I yeah. want I, just, I think Fast and Furious has broken that now I think you know, that's too similar because if you guys have seen the latest yeah. Fallout, the similarities to Fast and the Furious are many. Like the final true, action true, sequence yeah. is like, okay, guys, we get it. You've seen Fast and the Furious 8. <laughs> well done. Fair enough. Okay, well, let's, let's talk about this shark epic known as The Meg. <laughs> the Meg. The Merg. So we are going to get into some spoilery fun in a little bit. But first, we'll do one question that's spoiler-free. So you guys, if you're listening to this and you have not seen this movie yet, it did just come out a couple days here in the States. So go see it and then come back and listen to all this goodness. You have this one question as a buffer, and then we're going to start spoiling stuff. So our first question, and Ali, we'll start with you on this, is just straight up, what did you think of The Meg? So look, what you're going to hear now is another kind of packaged answer because obviously my job is to review movies on the radio. So I have a tendency to go into, I am reviewer robot. Here is the review. So here's how I feel about the Meg. Obviously, I'm I'm liable to like it because I love the Stath. Um, And I love shark movies like you guys do. Um, The answer is, I had a good time. I had a good time watching this film. It's obviously got loads of problems like it's got clearly clearly big problems with commercial obligations Mm -hmm. the screenplay is wonky 
Uh, the characterization is just loose. Like I can li- list as long as my arm of, of like problems with this film, but I had a good time. Like this year, we've had Rampage, we've had Skyscraper, which have been similarly high budget B movie nonsense. But yeah. I think this for me, and I, I and I, I again, I am Mr. State fan, got me chuckling more than either of those did. I think it was more self aware when it was self aware. And this, again, will sound like I'm being silly, but it is directed by a guy who's produced uh, some of my favourite films. And Cool Runnings, right, is yeah. yes. an institution in my household. Yeah. Now, John Turtletaub has done that, the National Treasure movies. While you were sleeping. There you go. Look, he's, yeah. not, he's not Spielberg. He's not Orson Welles, obviously. But at times you can see his wit and his humanity, his Western sensibilities coming through. The movie's obviously rubbish but that doesn't mean it isn't fun and i laughed and i chuckled along there's one bit spoiler alert where jason statham's swimming towards the shark the meg and he's obviously it's adr but he says and sings just keep swimming just keep swimming (laughs) from finding nemo and it's those moments where i went i'm having a great time yeah more popcorn please i'll have a beer I, I, i liked it it's rubbish but i liked it Jay, what do you think? Uh, I also really like Jason Statham. Like, I don't. I think that as a bald male, I have to support <laughs> like famous bald males. As do I. <laughs> I, yes. I have to pay a ticket just to be like, hey, let's not let this go out of style. Yeah. Um, Ali, you have by far the best hair situation going on in this conversation. <laughs> just <so you> know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I did. I did think the movie was fairly bad. I was actually hoping for it to be a little better actually in terms of it being I was not looking for a Sharknado like I wasn't looking for that but I was looking for something to be a little bit more a little bit more on the ridiculous side than I felt like this was I felt like they were maybe trying to be a little bit more Jurassic World Mm. and I wish they would have kind of not shot for that and just kind of just said hey let's just be a little more fun with this Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that what's cool is that Jason Statham has shown like Ali you talked about it He's shown he can do really fun because in in Spy he was hilarious. Yeah, arguably one of the funniest parts of that film actually. Um, so I think it was I think it was it, it it entertained me. If you like those kind of movies, great. It's not quite as ridiculous as Sharknado. It's not like a classic B movie. Like I, I was just listening to the other day. I was listening to some people talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark intending to be a B movie. That's my favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. So like. You can do a B movie and have it be amazing. This is sort of somewhere in the middle, and I almost wish it would have pushed towards one of the ends. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It 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 it's being pulled in like five directions, like the Chinese market, a serious like uh, action movie, a Jason Statham ironic thing. Um, you know, it's the own its own shark genre. It's like. I mean, it's kind of best displayed by the cast list. It's like they just went on a supermarket sweep, right, <laughs> around a casting venue and went, "I need a, I need a, I need a, I need a nerdy-looking white guy. Um, yeah. Can we, can we get like a sciencey girl with a with a haircut? Yep, you. Um, uh, we've got the state. The state's in the bag. Um, and and I think that's kind of the movie in a nutshell. It's like that'll do. Jam it in. Yes, yes, yes. Fine, fine. Uh, we'll have a sequence where a character dies and we'll have a two-minute serious scene about it. And then the next scene will be harpoons, winks, 
you know, it's jonky <laughs> and, and, and shanky and, and doesn't connect well. It's not a good film. It really isn't. <laughs> and we, we need a character who can have a heroic death. Is there anybody who's literally played a character named Hero before? How yeah. about that? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Which is so a great true. cameo type deal, yeah. too. I love that. It's obviously a crazy flawed movie, but I'm, I also had a lot of fun, and I would be all over a sequel. Yeah. I hope it would learn from its mistakes and go, people responded to that. Let's give them more of that. Yeah. You know, I think we're all agreeing it's the ironic, silly stuff that we're enjoying, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. exactly. Jade, you don't think it's bad as Sharknado, do you? Or do you think no, no, no. I don't okay. think it's bad. I mean, Sharknado is like, how can we make this worse? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's their intent, right? <laughs> so it's not, it's not trying to do that. It's like, it's trying to find, I think what Ali said is perfect. Like, it's trying to reach in so many different directions. It just can't, it can't find it. Yeah. You know? It also wanted to have those archetypes. And I know, I don't know the book. So if you guys know the book, it's by Steve. I just started to read it. I haven't gotten very far yet. It's so. a fantastic name for a book. It's just called Meg, a novel yeah. of deep terror by Steve Alton. There are many sequels, so a sequel might be possible. Um, but I felt like it wanted to have a sequence where lots of people on the beach get chomped. And so yeah. even though that didn't really make sense, they had to make that happen. You know, it, and yeah. I'd, again, I don't want to give away too much this early on in the podcast, but I kept going, if I had a checklist of things I was expecting in this movie... It didn't really care about how joined together those sequences were. Yeah. It just mm. filed them out. Well said. Well Can I also said. say, yep. on, if I you go to the Wikipedia fair. page, there's a little bit of damning with faint praise slash shade throwing, which I've got to bring up as soon as possible, right? So it's grossed <laughs> yeah, it. $141 million worldwide. It's, you know, Sunday the 12th of August, so it's by no means really gone anywhere yet. But it says it's received mixed reviews from critics with some describing it as an entertaining B-movie and others calling it neither good enough or bad enough to be fun. <laughs> What's your what, take on that? I don't even... I feel like good that's, or, that's so back that, and forth I don't even know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> I, think that that's, I think that that's kind of accurate. I, I do think, though, that it is fun. It's just not good enough or bad enough to be... To be for you to be emotionally involved. Like, mm. I feel like there is emotional investment if you go deep with something, like like Jaws tries to do, where you like watch someone get eaten in a terrifying way. Yeah. And then there's the Sharknado, where you're emotionally involved because you're like, a shark just flew through a window and ate somebody. Yeah. Like, that's mm. hilarious, right? So it's a different emotion. Yeah. But because they play on both those, but you're never sure which one you're gonna get, and it never really fully dives into that emotion, I think it's somewhere in the middle. I, I mean, I think it was definitely fun for me, but it was fun for reasons other than the ones I was hoping it would be fun for. Ah, uh, okay. okay. Which sort of feeds into our next question. So I'll go ahead and ask this next question. So spoiler territory. Here we go. Yeah. Hold nothing back. Dive in. Um, so uh, it's Scary Movie Month on, our, on the Story Geeks podcast. So, Ali, this is actually the second movie we're doing in our Scary Movie Month series. And we're asking the question of every movie we cover on this series what makes this movie scary? Mm. So, uh, Ali, what do you think? What makes it scary? Uh, not a lot. Like, not a lot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, not a lot. Like, on the many list of flaws this film has, it is neither scary nor gory. So if you look at Sharknado, not scary. But you can go, that's gory as heck. Like, that is some messed up, yeah, chainsawing, right. bloody nonsense. You're <laughs> laughing at it. This actively isn't scary. There are like three 
four jumpy moments, but it's not scary. This yeah, is the 12, yeah. and I that's, mean, you know the UK thing, it's 12A. 12A is like the universal right. rating where adults can go, children can go, it's all okay. This is the 12A-est movie I've seen in quite some time. <laughs> yeah. Everything's Yeah, palatable. and that's kind of what I was alluding to before, is the fact that it was fun because it was funny and because it was Jason Statham, but I wanted it to be fun because it was scary, because there was this intimidating presence of the shark and the shark never felt intimidating to me no what no. do you think uh no i agree I, I think there's very little to be i think you're supposed to be scared of the nature part of it right the yeah. open ocean the bottom of the sea floor there's this sense of like false comfort that we could have on vacation like in the chinese beach scene right yeah. those are fears that they're trying to play upon i think we're also supposed to be worried about parents dying kids dying like those dynamics those are supposed to be fears for us mm -hmm. but if you contrast the meg <laughs> uh with a quiet place which we talked about last week yeah a quiet place has a completely different buildup for each of those fears like they they showcase the family dynamic in a tragic way yeah to go wow i'm rooting for this family this is hard this is very difficult for them Whereas in this film, they don't give you the time and space. They just go, everybody, please be scared for this little girl. And you and you are, because she's a super cute little girl. <laughs> but at the same time, there's not a reason to be. It's just that we would all like, like little kids to be safe, yeah. right? So I think that it just doesn't give you quite the same emotional involvement. Um, and I think we could have been a lot, it could have been a much scarier film and like Ali said, there's just a few jump scares, which I hate because I'm always I'm so susceptible to them. <laughs> <laughs> I always jump. But I think we could have had more terror, if you will. Yeah. If they would have let us sit with moments for longer. Um, but it just kind of keeps moving. Doesn't yeah. give you that. I think this film does a disservice to your podcast. I think it is so surface level and so throwaway and so first or second draft. <laughs> <laughs> there is so little to actively get into, to actively dive deep, ha-ha, into this movie, is to do a disservice to your podcast and to the film. Because it's just not that kind <laughs> of movie. True. It's so frothy. It is such, you know, soap scum. And, but, like, I have this theory, I'm sure you've heard it before, right, where is, ham are, uh, is a McDonald's hamburger, other hamburgers are available, good for you? No. Did you enjoy eating it? God, yeah, it's the best thing ever. Love it. <laughs> Brilliant. And I think that's what this movie is. Like, you don't eat it for sustenance. You don't eat it because it makes you feel good. You eat it because as you're eating it, it feels good. But afterwards, you don't go, hmm, what was the third act saying? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. It's that's so, true. It's so true, yeah. But on the, on the other side of that coin, we love a challenge. <laughs> 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 we, we actually said we were, sit, we were sitting in the theater, and, uh, and right before the movie starts, Daryl turns to me and goes, you know, Allie's really funny, so I'm going to ask some lighthearted questions. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, we don't ask that many lighthearted questions. Like, we, we try to be funny sometimes, but we don't ask that many lighthearted questions. And then after the film, I'm like, we're going to need some lighthearted questions. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so... It's, it's true. It's, uh, yeah, man, it just, what do you do with this? Look, right, if we keep it lighthearted just for a little bit longer, I'm going to say that little girl that you brought up, brilliant. Yeah. She's actually really good. Um, I think leaving yep, yeah. Bing, um, I at first was a bit trepidatious about her, 
and they give a lot of screen time to her, obviously, because this is a Chinese production. Um, she's really good. I mean, as far as it went, pretty good. I almost was okay with the flirtation between Stath and her. Like, I kind of bought it in a kind of, okay, fine. But it was okay. It was pretty good. I think if I was to destroy certain characters, do you remember watching the movie, right? You get introduced to a bunch of these people. So this person's the rover mm-hmm. guy and this person's the whatever. And then at one point they need to look at a map of the sea and there's an entirely new random person. And you're like, <laughs> this movie already has too many random people. Why is this guy here? And also, can we just drink a sip of some very expensive alcohol to every single other comic black actor who turned down that role because <laughs> that yes, list seriously. must be a mile long <laughs> that is the thankless the most thank i mean that role is bad <laughs> it's so true yeah and we've seen it already it's ll cool j it's, it's you know it's yeah, every true. 90s say say generic oh my gosh type phrases it just week yeah, right yeah. but i'm trying to think of more well, there's been a things. lot of people who have like because you brought up fast and furious early earlier and there's there's people that have taken those types of roles uh-huh. and transformed them into their role in a really good way yeah. like tyrese in the in the second fast and furious is very much like a similar character to that but mm-hmm. he's transformed that into a whole shtick that I think it's kind of likable. Harold's looking at me like, I don't like it, dude. But for me, for me, I like it. I love that franchise, but you're hitting on the one part of it that's hard for me. <laughs> Ludacris is great, too. In I that, love Ludacris, in yeah. But there's, and then the, the sidekicks, the other two sidekicks, there's a couple guys from the Dominican that I think are, like, they take those oh, yeah. roles and they say, they're basically like, you might not have given me anything to work with, but I'm going to let my personality shine through so much that well I'm instantly going to be likable, you know? Well yeah. said. So it's true. This guy brings nothing and does nothing with weak, weak material. Yeah. But yeah. let's not trample over him too much. Um, what else is good about this movie? Come on. <laughs> I'll tell you, there was one part that was um, before. We'll, we'll, I'll say this a little bit and then we'll attempt to get deep. But there was one part of it that was affecting to me. Oh, yeah. And it's probably just because I'm a parent. And as I've become a parent, I get kind of like soft and gushy about certain things <laughs> so it was after uh the chinese scientist died zhang i believe his character was yeah and then um uh li bing bing's character had to explain to her daughter that her grandfather just died oh yeah like that little scene there i'm like i'm going through my head i'm like oh man i'm fast forwarding to when i have to explain to my boys that that my parents die oh, someday yeah. you know i'm like and i'm like that that hurts me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm with you. That, but that, that that's that's a universal thing. It's like, oh. Yeah. I will say the film does, uh, and, and I think so. Here's two things I think the film does really well. Um, Good luck. I thought that the CG was actually great. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I really enjoyed the CG because there's a couple moments. Now, granted, the size of the shark does seem variable <laughs> sometimes. It's it so variable. Um, yeah, it's super variable. <laughs> but um, I thought that uh, the scene where the little girl, the, the, that's the best scene in the movie to me, where the little girl is in the corridor, the glass corridor, mm-hmm. and then the shark just kind of just cruises up. When I say the shark, what I mean is the megalodon. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. cruises up to the glass. Um, that's 
that's a really good scene. Um, so I do think the CG worked at time, like most mo for mostly for me, it worked. The uh, other thing that I think um, the film did really well, I forget. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know what bugs me about that scene you're talking about? What's that? And I know this is not the kind of movie where you nitpick about reality. Yeah, I get, yeah, I get yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you've watched enough Shark Week or, <laughs> or know anything about sharks, <laughs> that scene makes no sense because sharks cannot stop. They have to keep moving. Notorious for it. That's part of how uh, they breathe. <laughs> so. Interesting. I didn't, I, so yeah. you, there you go. Education in addition yeah. to entertainment. Now, I, I will say that um, I, I wish that they had leaned in further to the shark who's just out for bloodlust, almost like it's like for revenge. Because they, they talk about how the shark's just upset by lights. So whenever it's upset, you can kind of be like, oh, well, they talk about that for two minutes and then they drop yeah. it completely. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. It's like, well, movement or lights, right? But um, yeah, anyways. I think every scene with a little girl is great. I like how they relatively deftly introduce the dynamic between the girl and her mother when the Stath goes into um, Captain Bubbles, the ship yeah. for the first time. I thought that was actually remarkably deft. I thought one of the biggest laughs the whole movie has is when they go to the States' uh, beer-sponsored um, flat and go, hey, Stace, uh, we've got something to tell you. And then the Stace gives this pretty decent speech about how, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say this. You're going to yeah. say that. <laughs> and then uh, the leader of the expedition goes, you're not going to believe this, but your ex-wife, blah, blah, blah. Your ex what? Really? Your ex-wife. <laughs> of all the... Really? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Are you sure? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, at times I felt like the script had been really just like, oh, shit, we forgot to mention. Crap. And, in <laughs> fact, on the ex-wife thing, he seems to be... We seem to have a very modern appreciation for how certain marriages last a year and then you're totally, like, gone off, left on the side of the kitchen table porridge about your wife. <laughs> And yeah, no, no connection whatsoever. Nothing. It's like, yeah. oh, do I still have a donut in the fridge? <laughs> it's, it's that level of, I kind of care there's a donut in the fridge, but I don't really care. And they're playing cards with the ex-wife, and it's just so odd. Yeah. She's like, it is odd. You, yeah. go, you go get Lee Bing Bing. You go get her. She's cute. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. I will say that I think this is probably true in the novel. You'll tell me, Daryl. Tell us like what uh, happens. Some, in the you novel. know how long it takes me to get through a novel. We'll see. I know, but <laughs> but there's in the in the film, they do a pretty good job of setting up relationships that could mean very dramatic payoffs, actually, because it, there's all the characters have these emotional connections that they don't really delve into very much, mm -hmm. but they could. I'm feeling. I feel like in the book because they probably have more time to explore each of those side stories if you will yeah there's it's probably more meaningful yeah where shoved into a movie it's like there's too many of these connections at this point like he's connected to every single person they picked for the crew in some way shape or form <laughs> that's so yeah. true but that's so true also you know it's got the star trek problem where they go to a planet and they bring every single important person the wife the ex-wife has got a hole in her abdomen but the doctor <laughs> and everyone else is on this stray boat trying to find the meg right yeah <laughs> The, one true. of the people on this mo on this boat is the dude whose only job is dealing with the rover. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing here? Why aren't you with the unwell wife? Fine, there's only one doctor, but what are you... Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. 
Okay, let's let's accept a challenge here. Let's mm-hmm. see if we can do this. So, my next question is: Is there a core truth or premise that the movie is exploring here? Mm-hmm. And, and if so, what is it? Ali, do you think there's something there, or is it just total popcorn? I can give a throwaway. No, I can give an answer to this, and it's just okay. a basic fear of giant sharks. And you're going to laugh at me because that's a facetious answer. But I think there is truth in that. Like since Jaws, since whenever, the idea of swimming in the sea and then suddenly your feet have been bitten off will always be scary, right? And that is a universal truth. We are scared of things that we don't know wantonly without seemingly any thought or any way of like preparing yourself for it hurting or damaging you, right? That's a universal human thing is that we don't like pain and we don't like losing limbs. And whilst it explores that in a very popcorny, frothy way, you know, who isn't sympathetic for that little dog as it swims in the sea? <laughs> yeah. You know? That, that is a great scene. That is know, a great scene. You're into it. And uh, aside from that, is it a treatise on how, you know, people who've had divorces can find love again? No. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, is it about motley crews coming together when the time is right not really is it about how the international governments will ignore incredibly well-respected scientists when they say there's a giant shark Uh, so that's my take it's just a very throwaway cheesy answer to the question are we scared of big things with teeth yes Hmm. sure what do you think jay yeah I've, I've done this podcast for too long now. I, I find all these themes that, that are they're embedded in there. And I think actually, again, this is, we've said this several times, but just because it bears repeating, I'm going to list all these and you'll realize that they're trying to tackle too much. They're, they're biting off more than they can chew. Nice. Hey. There you go. There is a pun. Uh, but I, I think, think the film plays... Go, go ahead. No, before we begin, I think you're fishing. Carry on. well done sir shame shame um i think the film plays with legacy right so the fear of losing loved ones both uh kids and parents um again doesn't dive into it but it has it there uh it asks us to consider making sacrifice sacrifices and decisions that would cause us harm but save others right the the central theme around Mm -hmm the state is that he has to figure out whether he's going to save the 10 people in his boat at the expense of the other two, or if he's going to try and save them at the expense of everybody. Um, yeah, which is also played within on, Fallout actually, lately, if you've seen Mission Impossible. Yes. Yeah. You're right. Carry yes. on. Sorry. No, no, no. That's, that's a great, that's a great call out because I mean, Fallout kind of does it extraordinarily well. Yeah. You know, like Fallout's yeah. a really cool example of that. Um, I also really liked the way that they took certain deaths. I think we'll get into this later, but certain deaths and like they, they actually took it in a different direction than I expected them to. And I actually really appreciated that. Um, but there's also the question of billionaires and their concern over money or people. Right. So we have the, I mean, the, it's, like, it's so funny that every, every character from the U S who's rich is like always like, you know, it's like Elon Musk shows up on the boat. He's like, ah, who cares about people? Let's make some more money. Um, it's pretty funny. Uh, there's also the, the theme around pursuit of science, notoriety, and even profit at the same, kind of like the same thing as, as money, as a, at the expense of humans, animals, and the environment. Um, but those are all, you know, 
perfunctory at best. Perfunctory at best. They're they're not they're not even dived into really much at all. So Ali's point of we're just scared of giant sharks <laughs> yeah. is what it ends up being. Yeah. Well, and it feels like my answer to the question would be yes, there are core truths in the movie, but no, it doesn't explore any of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 That's a good way of saying it. It's a movie um, of illusions. Like, ah, uh, you know what it's like when you have to tell your kids that one of their grandparents has died. Well, there's a scene, but we won't really dig into it. Um, and uh, do you know what it's like when maybe a shark might bite your feet? Well, here's a couple of things, but it won't show you any blood or really build up any tension. So, yeah. you know, it just, it's like it's a trailer in pursuit of a movie. This has oh. had some spectacular marketing, this film, that has really sold it and sold its point of view really well. And I know your podcast isn't about the marketing of it, but it weighs positively on this movie. Sometimes oh, films sure. get marketed and it, and it distorts the film and makes people expect something they're not going to get. This film's marketing, I think, is a re- should be studied as how you can make people enjoy a movie more um, in terms of what to expect and the tone that's, that you've got to look forward to. Yeah, that, I think that's true. Great it was spot point. on. Yeah, that's yeah. a great point. I also think what would have been really fun is... So another movie that brings up all these like really intense themes and then just completely ignores them is Deadpool. I haven't seen Deadpool 2, but dead, the first Deadpool, it was like, should we care about violence against women? Should we care about extreme violence? I don't know. Let's just throw <laughs> it out there. Oh and I think that like um, this film could have done that. This film could have been on that same level, and it sort of is. Uh, maybe it's just not as tongue-in-cheek with it as much as it could be. Um, so maybe in the sequel they can even press into that further, and that would be really actually a, a really fun ride because Deadpool's a really fun ride, and you actually come out like I came out of Deadpool thinking it didn't tell me anything deep at all, but it actually did explore the theme because it called itself into question even though it didn't finish the answer, which is fascinating. So yeah. I think you might do that in the future. Yeah, but here's the thing, right? With this movie, we're talking about it as people who've read books and analyze and dissect things we notice themes we can see connections we can see illusions we're grown-up adults right that can read and understand novels works of art right this film is not a work of art right (laughs) it is just not and if this movie were to achieve indiana jones levels jaws levels or blockbuster perfection where it both is a popcorn cinema but also has something to say in characters that you truly believe in and moments of of nuance that would be a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't think we're looking at the first winner of the Outstanding Achievement in Popular Film Oscar? Here? I am going to put not five pounds, not ten pounds, but fifty pounds on that not happening. Um, it, I, I actually would have been disappointed if this movie were good. Isn't that weird? I would have been yeah, like, oh, why didn't... Yeah. I didn't want something with a serious thing. I didn't want a message. I didn't want themes. I wanted to be a bit drunk and enjoy this film. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's his next marketing campaign for when it comes out on video. Grab a beer, you'll <laughs> it need it. It comes with the pint. <laughs> Before we continue, we just want to let you guys know about all of the additional content that you can find over at thestorygeeks.com. At our website, you can find our latest YouTube videos, Patreon posts, and additional written content from our awesome blogger, Ashley Pauls, who shares her own thoughts on what we talk about. And it's a unique spin, and it is definitely worth your read. So go check it out. You can find all of that at thestorygeeks.com. 
as you're over there, be sure to check out what we've been doing with Scary Movie Month. Go back and check out one of our favorite classic episodes, which is Captain America's Character Journey with Helen O'Hara from the Empire Podcast. All of that, plus Ashley's killer blog posts, are at thestorygeeks.com. Also, what would be over there is what we're doing after this show is over. We call it the Aftercast. After every show, we release an Aftercast on Patreon. That will be all about how we would make the Meg better. First time we've ever done this. The Aftercast to a Dig Deeper is a Make It Better. Yeah, it's going to be really, really fun. And you're probably wondering, what is Patreon? Well, Patreon is a website that allows fans to support creators like us. You can support the show for as little as $2 a month, and we show our thanks back to you by giving you rewards like additional content, like our aftercast. If you love what we do, we would really appreciate it if you become a patron. Please consider supporting us for as little as $2 a month, and we'll thank you by giving you additional content. Most people support us at $3 a month and get signature content out of that as well. And every once in a while, we get a $5 a month or more subscriber, and they actually we actually read their answers to our questions on the podcast, which right. is really cool, too. You can also purchase the Story Geeks merch. That's another way to support the show. Um, you can go head over to thestorygeeks.com and find our merch over there or you can go straight to shop.reclamationsociety.org Reclamation Society is our production company finally if you're like me and you're a big theme park fan check out modernmouseboutique.com Modern Mouse Boutique sells geek fashion accessories and they're famous for having some of the highest quality mouse ears you can buy if you're planning a trip to a theme park or if you're just a geek fan in general check out modernmouseboutique.com our friends Angie and Josh are super creative and fantastic people use promo code storygeeks that's all one word storygeeks no spaces use promo code storygeeks and get 10% off your next order links to our patreon page our merch store and modern mouse boutique can all be found in the show notes of this episode or on our blog at thestorygeeks.com thanks for letting us interrupt now let's get back to the show so the meg is just another entry in a long line of great well great in a long line of shark movies yeah, yeah. <laughs> not all of them are great um but and specifically man versus shark so we've come up with a list here of what we kind of think are like the five most iconic or best or whatever we could think of at the moment, man versus shark warriors. <laughs> and um, we're curious, who's the best? So uh, we're looking, obviously, Jonas Taylor, played by the Stath and the Meg. And uh, uh, Chief Martin Brody from Jaws. How can we not give some Roy Scheider love there? Uh, Carter Blake, played by Thomas Jane in Deep Blue Sea. Nancy played by Blake Lively in The Shallows, which I think is actually a really good movie. And, um, and of course, we got to do Finn Shepard, <laughs> Ian Zirin from Sharknado. So, yes. um, Ali, who is your favorite amongst these five, or are we missing one? Mm. Can I say the other Meg in the Meg? I mean, can, <laughs> <laughs> can that be one of them? Um, the, the, big, fair. the big one? The, big, the bigger one. Um, I would say Roy, Roy Schneider. I mean, it's not, I don't think there's even really much for competition here. It's, I, that, that's my hot take. Like, you know, it's Jaws or Bust is where I'm at. Yeah. I actually have, I think that Chief should win. <laughs> I think he should. Roy Schneider, uh, Chief Martin Brody should win. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Nancy. 
but yeah. I'm gonna go, I'm going with Finn Shepard from Sharknado, <laughs> dude. That guy cuts a shark down the middle with a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> that's that. If that's not badass, I don't know what is. Well, so shark killer, Finn Shepard. Whilst we're here on Sharknado, okay. can we just give a shout out to yeah. the name of the new the new and last Sharknado movie, right? So what is it? As we all know, What's the latest one. It goes like this: a long, long time ago, in 2013. Sharknado. <laughs> then it was Sharknado 2, the second one. Then it was Sharknado 3, uh-huh. oh hell no. I'm loving yeah. all of these names so far. Sharknado, yeah. the fourth awakens, yeah. can die in a bin. <laughs> Not very good. Number five, Sharknado 5, global swarming. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the boy. latest one, which is set to be released in seven days' time on August the 19th, stars Tara Reid, Ian Zerling, and Cassie Skirbo all set to return. It will feature time travel, Nazis, dinosaurs, knights, and, and <laughs> Noah's Ark. Sci-Fi have confirmed it will be the final installment of the film, of the series, <laughs> rather. Its title is The Last Sharknado... It's about time. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. Well done. Well Too good. Done. Okay, Too good. so, Ali, decide, but just a quick little tangent here, because I listened to your, your most recent episode of your podcast on The Meg, mm. and you talked a lot about five-headed shark attack. Is yeah, that what it's called? Yeah, boy. Unbelievably good. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievably good. Similarly, another sci-fi movie. And if you know Sci-Fi the Channel, yeah. it's all about giving Danny Trejo work. Like that's what it's about. Right. Um, <laughs> yes. he, like his agent. I imagine his agent is a lot like the agent from Friends. It's like yes, Danny, Danny. I've got another shark movie. <laughs> um, so here we go. The first one: two-headed shark attack. And the tagline for this is one body, two heads, and 6,000 teeth. Great. Uh, Carmen Electra got some work from that one. Uh, three-headed shark attack, Danny Trejo, hello. And Rob Van Dam, uh, not spelt the same way, you know. Uh, more heads, more yeah. deads. Wow. Great stuff. And the latest one, which is five-headed shark attack, is you can't survive the five. Oh my gosh. Oh uh, boy. Not so sure. I think that, that that might be the funniest thing ever said on this <laughs> podcast, dude. We've had some hilarious guests, but sci fi exists to give Danny Trail work <laughs> is epic. That's it. Someone's got to do it. I mean, someone's got to do it. I, Robert Rodriguez isn't doing it anymore, so no. someone else has to. Lazy. <laughs> Lazy. Um, oh, okay. So going back to the question here about the Shark Warriors. Please. I'm I'm on board with Brody. I'm going to choose Brody. Okay. But I actually have what I think is somewhat of a logical reason for this. Okay. I think he's the only one of these five whose survival does not depend on dumb luck. Yes. Oh. Okay. Yes. You know what though? That if you're going to go if you're going to take that line of thinking, the Stath is up there then. Yeah, but there's that scene in the movie where he and Li Bingbing almost get chomped by the sh- by the thing like the yeah, Meg was going to take true. them out, but it just happened to be tied to the boat. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I L- think mm. everybody else is just lucky. Have we? Do we want to mention Deep Blue Sea in terms of the dumb luck uh, factor? Because that's just I a I feel mo- like we have to. It's just like a movie of people just doing stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, they just do things. They, I'm going to do this now. I'm, I'm dying now. This is happening. The Meg does have yeah. a, a flowing logic of why things are happening. Um, 
rather than, oh, today, for the past eight scenes I've been sensible and now I'm a moron. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the Meg doesn't do that. It, it, it somewhat retains its form a bit. And I've also, I noticed that in the Meg, um, they, they mourn each other's deaths. Yes. Like they take time to react when characters die. Yeah. Which you don't see in most of the shark movies. It's like, oh, that guy's gone. Move on. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more the horror movie mentality. Yeah, it's, it, it's kind of not a horror film, The Meg. It's just not. Yeah. It's yeah. like a blockbuster thriller with a shark <laughs> or two in it. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> it's true. And like, if you listen to the podcast, you've probably heard my line on it, which is, and let me tell you a story. Right. So Warner's, the company, the studio that released this film. They sent me an email and they said, look, we're looking for, and this sometimes happens, maybe it's happened to you, where they say, we're looking for potential quotes. Somebody at Warner's heard that I was a big Jason Statham fan, and I know this is peeling behind the curtain, but just bear with me. And occasionally PRs will yeah. go, look, did you like the film? Let us know honestly. And I'll just go, in my bag. I liked it. I had a good time. I'll have another beer, right? And then she, the PR, yeah. came back and said, okay, you like the film. So bearing that in mind, would you maybe be willing to give us some quotes for like uh, advertising or a poster? And I went, in my head, I went, no, honestly, no, because the movie isn't that good, and what will I say? It'll come across sarcastic. But I thought, <laughs> you know what, I'm going to give them some. So I wrote down six, and every single poster quote I came up with was a sarcastic, barbed comment, right? Yeah. <laughs> One of them was, it's Jason Statham at his statheist. Like, it was yeah. properly <laughs> pop star, never stop, never stopping levels of, like, winking. And one of them was... Jason Statham versus a giant shark. What's not to love? Which is <laughs> yeah. obviously taking the mick. There's so much not to love about that. It's ridiculous. Um, they said, ha ha, these are very funny. Um, let us know if you've got any serious ones. No, <laughs> uh, no, no, not in a nasty way, but they're like, you know, we, we get yeah. it, you know. But then the next day they went, actually, we can do something with that. And they picked Jason Statham versus a giant shark. What's not to love? And I had a five-minute conversation with myself, and I went, have it. Have it. I will never say something more sarcastic on a poster in my entire life. But that's <laughs> this movie. That's epic. Jason Statham versus Giant Shark. Yeah. What's not to love? That's it. It's true. That is that is absolutely true. That's that's what it, that's what they should have ran with, with everything. That should have been everywhere. Yeah. But you're right. Their marketing, their marketing was genius. Mm. I mean, I had friends of mine who were actors and um, and influencers in the social space. Sure. And you know, they're posting the the little. Um, they did like green screen type stuff where they put people in rafts. Did you see these? Oh. Like show yeah, these are genius. Like, there's a person on a raft, and they're like, "Okay, the shark's gonna come up underneath you and eat you, basically, right?" <laughs> so like, squirm around and act like you're gonna about to get you realize you're about to get eaten. And I will say that not only, not only were, the, were those really fun to see your friends <laughs> in danger from getting eaten by a shark, <laughs> but also they were they actually did elicit a little bit of, uh, of an emotional response as well, you know. And you're like, I do need Jason Statham to take on this shark. <laughs> that was kind of cool. So yeah, I need this in my life. <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's right. Um, okay, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to take us down another deep path here. We'll see if this works. Um, at one point during the movie, everyone decides that the Meg needs to die. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they make the decision to kill it. And Zhang, the doctor, says something to the effect of, that's what we do. We discover and we destroy. Mm. So um, I'm curious, do you guys agree with that? Do you think that's true about humanity? Mm. What do you think, Allie? 
before we get into this, can we talk about one of the other funniest moments in this film, which is sure. the yes. lead, the lead, like the guy in charge of the whole thing, goes, "It's a bad day. It's a bad day for <laughs> Zhang. No, no, bad day for Hero. The guy, what's that? It's a bad day for Zhang. Is that his name? The guy, uh, I don't know. The guy who's Hero in that's the the doctor. No, yeah, yeah. The, the, who's the who's the the character's name? Hero, that plays, hero from yeah that yeah, guy. Yeah. Let me look this up. I don't know that I don't know that guy's name. I don't which wanna, guy? I don't the guy, want, the guy, I, hero, the cameo he, the, from Hero. Oh yeah yeah yeah. What was his character? Toshi. Toshi. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Toshi, yeah. yeah. It's it's a bad day for Toshi, and a <laughs> yeah. bad day for science. For science, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So funny, hysterically <laughs> funny. funny. <laughs> I didn't even remember that. That's awesome. Yeah. So obviously the attempt to comment to com- to comment on it failed. Yes. But I'm still curious if you guys think it's true about us. What do you think, Allie? Do we? Yes, we do. That's absolutely true. It's absolutely true because since the dawn of time, we want to pick things apart, see how they work, put them together. How many hearts has this got? How many stomachs does this cow have? Like that's just humans. We just discover a thing, try to find one, try to kill one. It's absolutely true. I mean, this is aside from us being carnivores or omnivores or whatever the phrase is, like we do eat things. Mm-hmm. So that's always going to be part of the curiosity is I want to see how this tastes. They don't talk about that in Meg, but <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a truth that we don't think about, which is if we suddenly like at the end of the Watchmen, you know, when a giant, the comic book that is, and a giant, like, space lizard monster comes out of nowhere. You're not going, hmm, let's see if we can keep this caged. You're like, kill it with fire, burn it to death. This has yeah. got to go. And whilst that might not be the case for, like, a new bug that suddenly appeared, or, um, I don't know, a mouse, as soon as it has any intention of coming at you, it's going to get killed by humanity. If there's mm. even a slightest threat, it's dead discuss yeah yeah i think that's true <laughs> i think that's true i think there's a um it's interesting because i think you're running into when we see this happen in real life we run into uh, ignorance versus kind of deeper knowledge or wisdom about a topic mm-hmm. as soon as we are ignorant and scared we react with that thing must die whereas it doesn't, it doesn't we do that with people too right as soon as we're ignorant and scared uh we react with this like primal fear of it's either them or me what's interesting is i think if you have knowledge and or wisdom about why something is occurring so so for example if the if if dr zhang were to also say look all we've got to do is figure out how to draw this thing away from people Mm -hmm. because this is literally the last one of these on the face of the earth. Well, as far as the they knew. <laughs> for a while, there was two. <laughs> and um, and if, if that were the case, they could draw it away with lights. They could draw it away with movement. They could get it away from... Now, this is not that kind of movie, So, but that would have been an interesting setup for there to be conflicts, right? No, we should just get this thing away from people. No, 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 no. this thing's got to die, you know? Yeah. And play against those two those two fears. So I think it mm. is true, but most of the time it's true when people are ignorant about it, as opposed to when they have more knowledge about how it could be handled. Mm-hmm. A good example is, um, there's a video online. I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast and there's this video online where, uh, there's this guy in like a food court at the mall 
that flips out and he's like going berserk and this other guy is an MMA fighter who gets him in a headlock and he's just sitting there and the guy's like, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you. He's in a headlock yelling at an <laughs> MMA fighter and the MMA fighter is just like, just calm down, just calm down, buddy, just calm down. And then, of course, like in Rampage when The Rock is like, that's a big arm. Don't fight it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And then, of course, you got the security guard comes over and is like, you got to let him go. He's like, are you going to handle this problem? Like, I think that guy is not scared of this guy who's going berserk at the food court. Why? Because he has better knowledge and better experience. And he's like, all right, I'm going to subdue this guy. Whereas if it's me, I'm like, somebody grab a chair and take it to this guy's head because he might really hurt somebody here, right? So it's just this kind of weird interplay of humans of when we when we don't when we feel like we're completely out of control and that causes us to experience fear and we're ignorant about why we just we lose it. Yeah. I think what we're dancing around is something that cannot be tangibly uh, assessed or like itemized which is where on the uh, on the dial of fear of a thing is it acceptable to just kill it? Like where does it go from mouse to shark, right? Because there's a there's yeah. part of the social contract is no one's going to have a go at me if I kill a wasp. But if I mm. kill a mouse, then I'm a monster. So I just think this is something that sociologists will talk about forever, which is why are we okay with this? We don't eat dogs. That's not okay. You know what I mean? That there is there yeah. is something here. At what point does a creature go from say being a seal or a walrus to it's a killer shark. You can kill it. You know. Yeah, you know? totally. Predator, prey. There's there's a lot of stuff mixed up in here, and I think the best example of an animal where you go, oh, it's so cute, is a hippo. But it's also the most dangerous animal there is. But we, it's not the way society or books or or or, or, or movies and TV shows have portrayed that character. So shark movies have a lot to say about how scary sharks are, because we don't know the science of them. But I think this is a really interesting discussion of. When is it socially okay to, as the state does, climb up the side of a giant fish and stab <laughs> it in the eye with a spear? I think if you're the state, I'll let you do that anytime you yeah. want to. But if that was a um, giant mouse, you're like, I wish you hadn't done that. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Well, and it's well, interesting that this comes out right near Shark Week, too, because Shark Week was just a little while ago. Yeah. And so there's all like i watch a lot of that stuff on youtube and stuff and i'm seeing all these videos pop up where yeah you get the ones that are sensationalizing it and it's like the apex predator and the hunt for the giant great white and all that kind of stuff but then you also get the ones where it's like people are misunderstanding sharks and they're starting to become endangered right and we need to stop killing them you know they're an important part of the ecosystem and stuff like that and so i i do think that it's true of us that we destroy but on the other hand, I'm really glad that the Meg did not mm. go the other way. I'm glad that it was not a movie about the virtue of studying this giant shark rather than yeah. killing it. It knew its limits, I think. Yes. Um, I think, yeah. Mm. It's a tricky one. I do think that there's a moment. So I, I do think there's a moment in the film where I would have liked. I would have liked it if it would have been a little bit more this is a giant shark that will destroy at all costs and just has bloodlust like no other shark yeah i think that would have been because actually while i was watching the film there was a part where i'm like 
wait, why do you want to kill it so bad? I, I knew why the billionaire wanted to kill it. They gave him a reason and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But you got to think that um, Zhang and the rest of that crew, the science crew, would be like, no, we got to keep this thing alive at all costs. This is, yeah. you realize what we have here. Yeah. Um, well, and they'd spent all this money and all this time and all this energy, these years, yeah. proving that the floor of the Mariana Trench was not actually a floor, but just gas, and there was stuff underneath it. Yes. And they achieved that. And there's a giant shark, and now it's all just gone. It's like, oh, right. we're not studying anything anymore. They yeah, but I think if, so like, if you would have changed one little thing about the movie, and instead of saying, like, oh, the lights are what's bothering it, but if they said, oh, it has a pre preconditioned evolutionary trait of wanting to kill mammals. I don't know why. Yeah. Do we need to know why? We don't need to sure. know why. And if you said that changes everything now you can have it chomping people in half you can have it doing things you're like whoa this thing's crazy and then it, when it shows up on that chinese beach that scene is way more terrifying because you're, you're like it's so just gonna right. start eating massive amounts of people yeah so that would have been really fun i think they really just yeah. require and you to take it as red it's big shark big shark scary for sure <laughs> <laughs> right right exactly exactly it's true um let's talk a little bit about the deaths in the movie um not as many as I would have thought. Probably, you know, again, like you said, Ali, it's the most 12 a est movie you've yeah. seen. But yeah. uh, in our in our case, that's PG-13. Yeah, yeah PG-13, exactly. Yeah, and I, I read somewhere or heard somewhere that they actually did shoot some much gorier stuff. Hmm. Um, but they also say don't expect a director's cut or anything like that because none of it was finished with oh, effects. Oh, sure. And they're not going to spend the money to go back and finish it just to have some DVD extras. But yeah. Um, but as far as the deaths go, I'm wondering, did, did any of them mean anything? Was there any significance <laughs> to any of these deaths? What do you think, Ali? Oh, was there any significance? I mean, obviously they play really hard on the father daughter thing and what happens when you throw your life at one specific project, um, and ignore your family to an extent. Yeah. I mean, I got the impression they say, you know, he wasn't a great dad, but you kind of go, well, he seemed to be working with his daughter and let his granddaughter be there. And there are loads of photographs of them smiling together. It didn't seem like he was a total monster. <laughs> I, uh, we've all got issues, guys. Um, so with him dying means something. I think there was no that I would have rioted if um, uh, Rain Wilson hadn't died. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he so had it coming. And did yeah. you guys <laughs> think that at one point, and this is maybe me being stupid, but when he, I thought he might be go, he might be turned into the big bad of the film. I thought he might have gone, right, I'm going to blow up the whole oil, uh, you know, rig uh, when he yep. was talking about the explosive devices. Like, bloody hell, this guy is a psychopath. One day, he's, one moment <laughs> he's saying, I'm mourning with you. The next moment he's going, nuke him from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. And I was like, oh, no, he's going to go kill the Meg. And I will say the only death that really meant anything is that poor, poor whale that they just <laughs> blow to bits. It's, that was heartbreaking. I just went, oh, it's a whale. They go, oh, it's a whale. I was like, you just killed a whale. That's <laughs> true. I, I did think he was going to be the big bad of the film for sure that whole scene when you know he gives his little speech and then he goes out to yeah. destroy it and stuff it was just very awkwardly done i'm like did you guys think i'm like cognitively i understand what's going on here but this is executed so weird like 
it just it's so jarring you know, you know what i thought was going to happen and, and see if you guys thought this too especially just having seen fallout i thought for sure the meg was going to jump out of the water and swallow the helicopter. Yes, me too. Well, me yes. too. I totally thought that was going to happen. Yeah. I was so shocked it didn't. With a mustache. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. You prick, uh, so. as it does it. Yeah. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just feel like there's, that, that again, talking about the marketing again, the movie is ever so slightly undone by uh, expectations of wackiness. And I would agree. I, I, I was surprised somewhat when the Meg chomps the other Meg. But I was waiting for a mm-hmm. helicopter to get in, for sure. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. There's a sentence I Do just I said out loud. I'm a fully grown adult. I just said <laughs> I was waiting for the Meg to eat a helicopter. <laughs> What's going on? That's true. <laughs> I have no problem with that. I have no That's problem with that either. <laughs> Sounds great. Double thumbs up. There was one significant death, I think. And I, see if you guys see if you guys pick up on this at all, or if I'm just crazy. But so there's the medical doctor, Doctor Heller. Yeah. Heller is uh, with Jonah. Yeah, so this is this is fascinating to me from a storytelling perspective. Jonah is the one who decides to leave the two rescuers behind and take the doctor and all the other survivors of the early boat crash or whatever it is, sub sub crash or whatever, and leave. And so the doctor has lingering resentment for him because he thinks that he chickened out basically, yeah. for lack of a better word, which was by the way didn't save those other two guys. Pardon my French. Yeah. Total bullshit. <laughs> Absolute Total bullshit. bullshit. You're a human yeah. being with a brain. You would have died. Even in your selfish yeah. heart of heart, you have to be on his side. Because you are no longer yeah. dead. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. And even the Stath. If the Stath is running away from something at that point, Get out. you better be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so, so this is what I found really fascinating. I had every expectation that when Ruby Rose's character, Jack, so then later in the film, Dr. Heller, the guy who's pissed off at Jonah and thinks he's a chicken, and then Jax, who's random computer programmer lady, basically, right? Like, yeah. Who, by the way, just as a commentary on that character, I completely forgot about until you just said her Oh, name. really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so th- then they're in the water, and the Meg is coming toward them. There is every expectation and buildup that Dr. Heller will chicken out because that's what he's been so pissed about and that you will recognize him as a hypocrite and that and that um and eventually he'll get eaten but i thought it was fascinating that he chose to become the distraction and get eaten because i felt i felt like for sure here's the guy who doesn't like jonah who doesn't like the state our our guy like that is our dude like if you're against him then you're against us but i found it fascinating that he was willing to sacrifice himself and not be a hypocrite in that moment, yeah. Mm. So I think that that had that did have a little bit of significance for me because I felt like, uh, even though it, it, on the face of it it's a little cliche, it's actually kind of the opposite of cliche given his early introduction and his relationship with Jonah, and especially since, as far as you know, they kind of already resolved that. Yeah. Like once they realized that the shark existed, right. he apologized to Jonas. Right. You know. Right. I can't tell whether I like that bit or not. I think mm. my gut is that I did like it. Uh, and I, I enjoyed him just turning and going, this is my, I've got to do it. It's the right thing to do. But it's, I don't know whether I should give, I don't know whether the movie had earned the good credit for me to presume that it was being deft. Was that just a convenient yeah. thing? <laughs> you know? That's very, that's very true. I, yeah. I don't, is the movie better? You know what I'm saying? It's not yeah, yeah, totally. quite 
that level of good to make that presumption. Yes, yes, is that exactly. And I think that's why I'm listening it, listing it as significant is because it subverted what it should have been able yeah, to agreed. do. Yeah, well said. I'm like, yeah. that's interesting. <laughs> so, anyways. It's true. Can I make a very uh, odd, uh, like, uh, interrupt you? Uh, interruption, that's the yeah. word. Yeah. I just want to highlight yeah. the other names of the other Meg books. You know, I mentioned it earlier. I just want uh -huh. to, as a little aside, tell you what the other name of the books are. So the first one, as I mentioned, awesome. was Meg, A Novel of Deep Terror from 1997. He followed it up two years later with a book called The Trench, which is a direct sequel. He realized that that book didn't mm -hmm. sell because it didn't have the word Meg in it. So the next mm -hmm. are called Meg and then the following words. Primal Waters. Wait for it. Hell's Aquarium. <laughs> That's epic. <laughs> Origins, because you've got to have an Origins oh. in there, right? Of I course. mean, he learned from Wolverine. You learn from the best. <laughs> yes. um, Night Stalkers. Okay. Generations, Star Trek. I get it. So the Meg meets the former Meg from a different... No. And then finally, coming out in 2019 <laughs> with a question mark, Meg Purgatory. Oh, my gosh. I feel that might be what author Steve Alton is in. Meg Purgatory. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my little, that's my little side... Bit. I love that. I love the. I love these side namings. This is awesome. Yeah. Hell's Hell's Aquarium. <laughs> That's the best. Get, That's the best. Doesn't get better than that. No. Yep. It seems like that could be a subtitle for Aquaman. Like. That <laughs> oh cool. my god! Yes. <laughs> uh, if you guys get me back for Aquaman, that will mean that I'm the aquatic specialist. <laughs> That's true. We are I okay with that. can be sarcastic <laughs> about all forms of fish. Oh, yeah. Based blockbustery. I think I, I actually um, I commented on a tweet. I believe it was originally Helen O'Hara's tweet. And I said, um, I'm holding out hope. Very tiny hope, albeit, that the Meg is actually a... The Meg and Aquaman are actually a secretive <laughs> two-part <laughs> epic. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if the state was in Aquaman, <laughs> come on. That'd be amazing. I would watch the sh shit out of that film. <laughs> I'm suddenly 12,000 times more interested in watching that movie. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Ali Plum, thank you for coming on our show today. It's been an honor and a privilege. Uh, uh, it's, it's been wonderful. Thank you. It's been super fun to talk to you about the Meg and the, the state Meg. and all the great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So how do you up that? Like when the, when the sequel does come out, how do you how are you supposed to properly pronounce that one? I just, I think you're just gonna have to bring a megaphone, and oh, there you oh, go. do the first that. ever you know podcast on megaphones. And or by megaphone, I want to capitalize the letters M E G. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you have to. You have to. You could also dub in jason statham's actual voice that's true saying bill meg every yeah. time we mention oh, it by the way he does that thing that cool guys at school do which is like um you know the guy that decides who gets what nickname so you're now called <laughs> yeah. you know stinky and that's your nickname he goes from everyone's going it's a it's a megalodon it's like this thing from the past and he goes anyway yeah so we got to kill the meg and you go are we are we all okay <laughs> everyone's just we all seem to be okay why we're all scientists why would we 
Okay, fine. <laughs> cool. That's a great point. He's, he's pretty sexy, so I suppose I'll do what he says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. You can't argue with him. 50, 51 years old. Well, that's it for today's show. Told you guys it was going to be a great one. Special thanks to Allie Plum for joining us today. As Jay mentioned earlier, go find what Allie's doing. Go check out BBC Radio 1. You can check out his podcast, Movies with Allie Plum. And if you go to YouTube and search for interviews with Allie Plum, he's got all the big names. You can see him talk to everybody. Most recently, he's talked to Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly for Ant-Man and the Wasp. And there's lots of great stuff there. So go check it out. It's really entertaining. And coming up next week on our show, back here at the Story Geeks Podcast, as we said, we're going to be getting on to Get Out with Michael Young and Megan Salinas. We're going to dig deep into that one. And I think that's going to be the polar opposite of this episode. <laughs> Very much is. <laughs> yeah. Very much is. So don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on that. Yeah, and be sure to connect with us in the Story Geeks Facebook group. Like I said earlier, on the Story Geeks Facebook group, we're going to be hosting live shows through that group. So if you want to see us live, we're going to do follow-up conversations about the podcast you've been listening to. So if you want to talk about The Meg a little more with us, sorry, if you want to talk about The, the Meg. Meg a little more with us, then definitely go to our Facebook group, the Story Geeks Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. Let us know your thoughts on today's show or give us some ideas for future episodes. And if you enjoyed today's show or any of the Story Geeks podcasts, please tell somebody. Share them with your friend. Share them with a geek friend. Turn a non-geek friend into a geek friend. And uh, links to all of this stuff that we've talked about will be in the show notes. Thanks for listening. And as always, question everything in your favorite geek stories. And always seek the truth. 